W.E.B. Du Bois, Georgia, and his data portraits. And I had never mm-hmm. even, I never had heard about this project. And, and, mm-hmm. and just I was yeah. really blown away by the works. Why don't, you, why don't you talk about it a little bit? So I learned about the work five or six years ago, uh, actually in another living artist exhibition, uh, uh, artist named Theaster Gates, who had responded to them. Um, so, and then I, I purchased a book that was um, really helpful. There are actually a couple of books about this project. So uh, W.E.B. Du Bois, um, some people may know, was the first um, black student to graduate from Harvard. And then he ended up studying at the University of Berlin and after that time was looking for a teaching job. And he received a call from uh, Thomas Calloway, who was his roommate at Fisk University. And as uh, W.B. Du Bois was interested in teaching sociology, um, but at the same time, there was a special opportunity. Um, Thomas Calloway was friendly with Booker T. Washington, and Booker T. kind of had the ear of the president at the time, and the president was... uh, looking for exhibits that could be part of um, the U.S. participation in the 1900 Paris Exposition. So the exposition was similar to a World's Fair. uh, There would be kiosks or rooms that would look at um, history, the present, and the future. And so Du Bois and Thomas Calloway thought this was an excellent opportunity for them to share you know, help people learn about the black experience. Um, And so Thomas Calloway was at Atlanta University, which is now called Clark Atlanta University, uh, one of the HBCUs, a historically black college. And Du Bois had his students work with him to uh, collect data from all over the state of Georgia. And that data ended up needing to be presented at the exposition, but Du Bois was incredibly creative about the way that he wanted to present that data. So they have come to be called as data portraits. Um, They are incredibly forward-thinking and modern. Um, Data visualizations were not new to sociology, but rather than have the, the usual pie charts or line graphs, there are a series of these drawings that are um, in, it almost look like they were made by some of the modern European painters um, that weren't really exhibiting for another 10 or 20 years. Um, so it feels like you're walking into a modernist painting show. Um, they're bright colors. Uh, they are, there's some abstraction. Um, But within that, they are providing information about um, four areas which we've separated in the exhibition, which is really talk about the migration of uh, people in Georgia to the other states. They are talking about family in Georgia, um, what um, black people were doing for work, but also the uh, property ownership and how it expanded after Reconstruction. So it's uh, been supported by these two books, as I mentioned, but also another book by a man named Alden Morris, 
who wrote a book called The Scholar Denied. And so what is interesting is that although Du Bois had done this work and been invited to the Paris Exposition and had gotten one award there and had wonderful reviews, um, he was not really embraced by the academic community in the way that he had hoped. And in fact, because he had such a forward-thinking and modernist way of looking at the presentation of this information, it may have actually hurt him as far as uh, academia was concerned. Um, So we also have an accompanying podcast that people can listen to on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. It's called Outlines of Color. And I love that I worked with um, a New Haven-based communications organization called The Narrative Project, um, and the producer, Aaron Johnson, was able to create eight episodes that tell the history and the tell the full story of how these portraits came to be. Um, and I, I know some people have come listened to the podcast before they came in and thought it was a really wonderful way to settle into the drawings and just be able to look at all of the detail and, and the information presented. I look forward to listening to that. I have not did not listen to the podcast. I'm speaking with Lisa yeah. Dent, who is the director of New Haven's Art Space, and we're talking about about this really really interesting exhibition um, by W. E. B. Du Bois, Georgia, uh, the state of Georgia, and his data portraits. And and it is when you when you walk in, you, you, it almost looks like works by Mondrian or. Um, like I said, mm-hmm. some some European artists, um, but that's but the story is very very stark. The story of mm-hmm. of professions of of land owned, of, um, of of household furniture owned, and and I I think the one that really struck me was um, there was a a map of a map of Georgia and the United States mm-hmm. sh- and showing. The, the migration out of Georgia, the directions where people were going from Correct. everywhere into California, um, you know, just really showing, really showing people fleeing, basically, to, Correct. to find uh, to escape from the violence that was was happening. Well, at that period, it's sort of ongoing, mm-hmm. um, but mm-hmm. also finding 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 opportunities, finding those economic opportunities that they didn't have in Georgia. Yeah, but even in the when thinking about the various professions. It was really important to Du Bois to show the variety of things that um, people were able to do at that point, which is really only, you know, 25 years um, after, you know, the beginning of Reconstruction, but very soon after slavery had ended. So, um, you know, in addition to agricultural work, um, many men and women were then able to move into um, working as postmen, working as a barber, working um, within their own communities, setting up their own small businesses. There, there's a one graph that shows all of the uh, the number of uh, periodicals that were being published by black journalists. And so for Du Bois, it was most important to show the breadth of the black experience for Europeans and uh rather than necessarily digging into sort of the hardships um, around these areas, which I think was really compelling and interesting for me to see how much he was trying to do. And I think it was particularly the, the one, well, some, some graphs that showed um, the number of, of store owners. And you can really, 
just from that sense the 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 community of people these are these are people yeah. who are within their own community creating new cultures creating vibrant cultures uh, and, and particularly in Atlanta uh, my 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 family is in Atlanta so I've spent a lot of mm. time there in fact I just came back from being there for 4 months and staying with my mother and yeah. I, it's it bring, visiting um, you know, the King Memorial and just seeing that, that area of Atlanta and, and, and you know, sensing what that was like 100 years ago, 100, 120 mm-hmm. years ago. Mm-hmm. And then the maps also show that uh, the county lines, and I was struck by the fact that those county lines have not changed to a large degree. And Atlanta County is still um, where the majority of the population was living at that time. Uh, and to see, yes, there, there, there's the migration, of course, but also things like um, the, the, num- the acres of land that um, black people were able to own and farm outside of sharecropping um, and his ability to document that, um, to document the value of their household goods and the change from 1875 to 1899, you know, I think it went from something like $24,000 up to, you know, 1.3 million. You know, it really um, builds in this time. Um, The ability to, that ownership piece was really important to um, Du Bois. It was interesting to see see the acreage, and I was sort of surprised too, because I think of Atlanta is being being really probably a center of where a lot of a lot of black culture was happening. A lot of, um, and, and and I think of I think of counties the farther sort of farther away you are, as less yeah. safe. But even down yeah. right down by the Florida border, there were there were several counties down there where there was a large large amount of acreage um, mm-hmm. that was that was owned mm-hmm. by. So I'm I I I, yeah. I I was intrigued. I have I have I think more questions from this exhibit than I do answers at this point. It's just, right. it, it opened so many yeah. doors, just really well, understanding. Well, and what I loved is that it helped me think about Georgia today. So as you can imagine, um, I was aware of the runoff, um, uh, you know, elections that had happened prior to this, um, knew that Georgia was still going to be a contentious state for the presidential election last year. Um, and I thought, what a better way to really dig in and look at this state that has become crucial to our current elections. Um, so one thing I was happy about was that uh, the Narrative Project was able to speak to a young woman who was a fellow uh, working with uh, Stacey Abrams's campaign to um, kind of comb through how important data was in 2020, you know, it's just as important. Um, there were similarities in terms of density, um, and, but all of those students literally, you know, train, walk, you know, getting to all of these areas so that they could speak to people and, and attempt to get accurate information so that um, it would shift policy. And this was something that was particularly important to Du Bois, the understanding that sociology, um, research, and and data gathering uh, would be what would be necessary to support policy change, which was really different than Booker T, by the way. I mean, Booker T was very 
interested in um, the Industrial Revolution and the idea that um, through learning how to use technology, um, people could, you know, earn more money and, and become wealthy. But that is actually where he and Du Bois differed. Du Bois was um, more interested in seeing how research and policy might affect the livelihood of, of black people. And it is, it is interesting, and to think of those students, um, because even today, people who, who want to tell the truth about things are often, um, well, criticized criticized or worse. And um, you know, there's, there's really yeah. some bold some bold statements if you read, read through that data. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a really uh, special work. So in all, there were actually 63 plates. We are only exhibiting 30 of them. Um, so these are all in the Library of Congress. So what is on exhibit are not the original documents, what they are actually prints that are available through the Library of Congress that we printed and had framed. Uh-huh. And so some of the drawings are just in better state than others. Uh, so I tried to show... 30 that would be um, provide the most information um, were I think some great examples of the the really forward thinking stylized modern way of rendering information um, the sort of vibrant color and the things that I, I just like you mentioned um, Mondrian definitely came to mind looking at a couple of these drawings and so uh, it's fair for me, you know, and I think others to say, okay, well, he's in Europe, he studied in Berlin, um, he, I'm sure he traveled, and imagining him being able to have um, the experience of that, but also some of the other things that he was potentially seeing through his travels in the U.S., and the ways that Navajo blankets, quilt making, mm. all of these things have influence on what we call modernism, modern painting, and in, in actual fact, maybe we have a better idea of the source material for that work as well. We're just about to run out of time, but I um, just want to ask you maybe about some upcoming things since, since I have you here. Uh, mm-hmm. any, any thoughts about um, Open Studios for this year? We have not, no. In fact, our board, and we are talking about this right now. We're in the middle of um, what a lot of people know is a strategic planning process. And so we're hoping by June to be able to make a decision. Uh, like you, we've been watching the COVID-19 pandemic, trying to make sure that we can make things safe for people. And we learned a lot last year, having to do quite a bit um, online. And some pe- things worked, and some people liked the more robust website that we were able to provide for the artwork. So it, we're hoping it would be sort of a both-and situation. But I'm most excited about the student apprenticeship program this summer. We are working with a curriculum that was developed by an artist named Tahir Hemphill. Um, it is based on rap lyrics that he has put into a database, has been working on it almost a decade now, and those students will be using that database as well as other data gleaned from the city to create augmented and virtual reality 
platforms. Um, so each of the students will be able to, you know, have their own iPad and, and work on this. Uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing how each of the students um, talks about their neighborhoods in New Haven um, through the data, through what they are seeing and where there are connections and where they might see differences. Um, and so it's a three-week program. At the end of that, there'll be a series of community meetings where we invite the public to come and learn from the students and have them show their artwork.